Hey everyone, my name is Michael Kaiser. And I'm John Wilson. And welcome to another episode of Make Ours Marvel. This is episode 94, 94 of the show. And um, that was an Obi-Wan Kenobi reference right there. We are going to be talking today about comics that were released at the end of May 1965. And we always end up with our three big ones. We've got the Fantastic Four, we've got Amazing Spider-Man, we've got the Avengers all lined up tonight. I know, like we really, I mean, I don't really want to change anything because I'm too OCD about it, but like, it's weird how like they block the really big three together and then we have other episodes where we they're blocking things we don't care about that much together. Yeah. Yeah. But oh well. Too bad we can't split it up a little bit, but that's all right. Let's the not do that. The would never let us. No, it cannot be tampered with. I get the two tonight. So what what uh, date are we on right now? 11th we or something? We are on May 11th. Okay, May 11th. Fantastic Four number 41. The brutal betrayal of Ben Grimm. Possibly the most daringly dramatic development in the field of contemporary literature. Darlingly. Wow. Oh, I'm sorry. No, just kidding. <laughs> oh. Either way, it seems like a lie. But that's okay. The Fabulous Fantastic Four are stunned by the brutal betrayal of Ben Grimm. And actually, they have a nice little caption that just a little, you know summarizes the last two issues. So I'll read that real fast so I don't have to do it for us. Last month, we saw the FF defeat Doctor Doom. But in order to gain that victory, it was necessary once more to change Ben Grimm into the grotesque thing. Was now bitter and now bitter and frustrated, the orange-skinned powerhouse decides to quit the Fantastic Four. Only Mighty Marvel could bring you such a shocker, destined to become the most talked-about action thriller of the year, featuring an all-star cast. Story, Stan Lee, who has never lost his touch, art by Jack Kirby, who has never lost his magic, inking by Vince Coletta, who has never lost his flair, lettering by Sam Rosen, who has never lost Artie Simek. Ooh, well, that's I good. I don't know what that means. Like, are they saying that Sam relies on Artie or vice versa? Or anyway, whenever they go to the store. Yeah, right. Okay, Artie never don't, wanders off to another aisle. <laughs> don't get lost, and if you do, wait by the front. Find an adult. Um, all right, so we start with Ben looking real depressed, and he's trying to leave. And Reed's got his stretchy arm on him, going, "Please don't leave, friend." And Sue's crying, and Johnny does the uh, the mature thing by trying to fight him. But uh, but thing has no interest and starts the sprinklers because that's all it takes to beat the Human Torch. He uh, is really tired. I don't know if that's from depression or from his. Actually, his fight with Doctor Doom was pretty intense, so that actually makes a lot of sense. He's probably just beat to heck. Um, and he just he has a date with Alicia. He thinks about that he has a date with Alicia or something. But in the meantime, he's just gonna take a nap. He finds the back of a yellow pickup to crawl into. And they just start driving around, unbeknownst to them that they have the thing sleeping in the back of their pickup. They go into the woods, and they hit a bump at some point, and the thing just falls out. So tired, he still doesn't wake up. Um, and then something weird, crazy science magic thing happens, and he gets lifted off from the ground and taken to this mysterious, uh, creepy old uh, Amityville horror house. Uh, and then we cut back to the Fantastic Four, who are being um, bugged by their landlord because... You know, that whole being t- the the building being taken over by Dr. Doom and then them fighting Dr. Doom, it's like not great for the building and it's also not great for the people around the building and the whole cops got called in and everything. So, Landlord's not happening. He's kind of like, have you ever considered like moving 
out in the middle of nowhere. And they're like, well, that could be an idea. But until then, Alicia shows up and she's like, hey, I had a date with Ben and he didn't show. And they're like, yeah, he quit the team. And she's like, really? You just let him quit? Yeah, well, if he wants to quit, he quit. Yep, but he's your friend. You should care. And they're like, you're right. We should care. Where's Ben? Let's go look for Ben. So they go do that. Meanwhile, Ben, still floating around, gets pulled into the house. The house actually belongs or is at least being occupied by the Frightful Four. And what was pulling him in was a wizard, uh, you know, anti-grav technology. They immediately trap him down with Pace Pot Pete's new name, the Trapster. Um, And then they all sort of talk about, you know, what they should do with him. Like the Sandman kind of wants to just kill him. But Medusa's like, no, you can't do that. And then Sandman's like, hey, you're really trying to run this racket. And they get into a fight, but Medusa totally kicks his butt. Um, Meanwhile, I can't remember how, but for some reason, Reed Richards kind of knows sort of where the thing is with one of his gadgets. And they, like, use Johnny's Roadster to go out and look around from house to house for him. Um, Medusa and the wizard decide to use the thing. There's this back and forth kind of thought bubble wise, like between Medusa and, and the, the wizard as the who's in charge and, you know, stuff like that. I guess, um, Sandman likes his ladies tough because since he got his butt kicked by Medusa, now he's kind of into her and he thinks they're dating, but they're playing cards and stuff. And, uh, Trapster doesn't like that. So then there's another fight. They're like fight more than the Fantastic Four for some reason. But as those three are fighting, it suddenly gets broken up by their new fifth member who is now awake. It is the thing. The wizard had put a little doohickey on his head and like tapped into his evil genetics or brainwaves or something like that. So he is evil now. But it's not his only is id he id machine. His id machine. But not only is he id evil, but he only obeys the wizard. Some sort of hypnosis or whatever. So because they find that out because Medusa tries to like attack the thing and the thing beats her up. So what happens? Oh, the Fantastic Four finally, after like knocking on every door in this wilderness area, they finally pick the last one and they open the door and immediately or they knock on the door and immediately Reed Richards gets sucked in by the wizard and gets knocked into the Sandman and it just gets this really cool fight. Medusa wraps her her hair around um, Sue or tries to, but she's got an invisible force field. And the thing's like, well, here, let me take care of that. You better put that force field down or I'm going to hit it so hard you knock out. And she can't believe that he would go evil, so she faints because that's not embarrassing. Um, And then Reed's like, no, Ben, you should help us because you're a good guy. And uh, uh, he gets sucker punched by the thing and knocked out. And the Sandman puts out the... Human Torch's flame, and then and then uh, uh, the thing knocks him out. So guess what? The Frightful Four win again and have defeated the Fantastic Three. The Frightful Five have defeated the Fantastic Three. And they uh, shackle him up. They put Johnny in some sort of gizmo where he can't flame on. They put uh, Invisible Woman in a plastic bag that expands so that it doesn't matter how much her invisibility, you know, bubble is, it won't, she can't get out. And then they just have the trapster put a bunch of glue on a tube or, you know, a plywood and slap Reed Richards on it. So he can't stretch or anything like that. Um, then the wizard shows how much control he really has over the thing because all he has to do is say something like sleep and the thing sleeps. And then they start fighting again over whether they should kill him. Or kill any of the Fantastic Four. I think Medusa's against it for some reason. I can't really remember. Um, 
the wizard wakes the thing up and then like convinces him or you know just reminds him maybe more so than convinces him that it's all Richard's read read Richard's fault that he looks so ugly so he should go over there and pound him while he's stuck on the glue thing and the thing looks in the mirror and he's like you're right he is my enemy and i'm gonna kill him and he gets closer and closer and his big ugly thing face fills up the panel and the end dun, dun, dun. so to be continued folks yeah um this was really pretty great yeah they're on a roll right now there were some parts that were kind of uff mm-hmm. but for the most part this is a pretty fun issue mm-hmm. and um I actually really liked Medusa in this. Mm-hmm. I felt like she was given more respect by the script for the most part than Sue usually is. Mm-hmm. So I mean, she beat up the Sandman like it was right. nothing, by the way. You know, even Spider-Man can't do that. Yeah. The opening scene of the Frightful Four is her totally taking Sandman out with her hair. Yep. And then she takes out the trapster and then, I don't know, they fight a lot in this book, but. Um, yeah. It was cool. Um, I, I feel like it's can... I, I feel like it's been cool since the Frightful Four was introduced, and I don't feel tired of them yet, even though we're using them a lot. Well, they feel like more like characters than plot devices. Mm-hmm. Like I'm enjoying their banter. Mm-hmm. It's very similar to the thing and torch banter from earlier in the series. Um, and although I could not tell you exactly what the details of the dynamics are. I do feel like it's four different people, not just four interchangeable voices. It's like they did the uh, Baron Blitzkrieg gang right. Because we actually have an evil Fantastic Four with clear, identifiable characters who have their own things. Even though they're all wearing purple, we know who they all are. Yeah. Yeah. Um, One would think that the sprinkler system in the Human Torch's home... Wouldn't be triggered so easily. Well, he is a hothead. Maybe they purposely have it so it triggers easily. Do you think that Ben has like a button he can push that'll spray water on Johnny? <laughs> well, it's like every time he gets mad, he sets the couch on fire. So it's like super sensitive. I do think it's cute, though, that Johnny is the one most determined to stop Ben. Like he's more upset than the others. That makes sense, though. I like that. I liked that beat. Like, and honestly, even- I think that the Strange Tales series has helped to cement the feeling that they've developed a friendship. Mm-hmm. But you always knew, like, even when they fight a lot, that's just because they like each other. Because that's just how stupid men are. Yeah. Um, uh, ben is really beat up after that fight. And I didn't even really think about it when I first read this. But, like, you could see it on his face. Like, he is just thrashed. And I, if you think about it, like, that fight with Doctor Doom was pretty intense. Yeah, physically and emotionally beat down. Yeah. So, he looks tired. And I almost can believe that he wouldn't feel it if he fell out of a truck. That was going 30 miles an hour. I also like to think that his skin is just so impervious that he doesn't mm-hmm. feel the fall. Right, he's exactly. And he falls out and he doesn't wake up because he's made of rocks. It's just like him turning over in bed for all he cares. <laughs> That's how much um, it hurts. So whenever Alicia shows up and she's like, uh-huh. you know, what's up with Ben? I tried to call. It got me thinking about what this day has involved for the Fantastic Four. Uh-huh. Because this morning they didn't have powers. <laughs> Right. Right? Uh-huh. And they're plotting, and Doctor Doom comes and takes over the Baxter building, and Daredevil shows up, 
and they get the Baxter building back and they beat Dr. Doom and Ben turns into Ben and then back into the thing. But before all that, like they were doing the whole, like trying to put our powers back together. And did Ben call Alicia during that time? Heck yeah. Well, cause he's human. But every time we've seen her with him as a human, she's always been like, what's wrong? You're different. Uh huh. So I feel like, if he had actually seen Alicia in the last few weeks, that he w- would have realized being the thing is a good thing. Well, he's kind of gone back and forth on that, hasn't he? And I suppose that's understandable. Like some people, you know, you realize that you're, I love my disability and I'm fine with it and I embrace it. And then the next day, maybe you don't. And that's okay. Human people, you know, change their mind all the time. And he has done that. He's done the like, Alicia likes me as the thing. So I'm cool with being the thing. But then, like, two issues later, he hates being the thing because, you know, he had being a bad thing day. Being the sucks. Yeah. So, maybe when he's Ben Grimm, I mean, not to get too graphic, but, hey, you could actually go on a date and stuff because right. you're not a big rock monster that can kill people by touching them too hard. So, maybe he called her. I don't know. Maybe. I don't I, know. They have been talking because she says, they. I haven't heard from him all day. Well, he said so. he, they had a date, right? Oh, did he said that they had a date? Oh, I thought he said that, but I don't remember where it was now. Uh, uh, uh. Anyway, because that was kind of the setup for her to show up because he was supposed to meet her and instead he fell asleep in the back of a truck. Where was that, though? I don't know. I'm looking now. He says as long as it's away from the Baxter building, it's okay with me. Mm, maybe, maybe I made that up. I think you did. Wow. That's a weird thing to make up. Okay. That's okay, though. Um... Okay, Sue has a line here that I have problems with. Okay. So Reed is hugging Alicia, and she says, That's it, dear. You just have a good cry. I think the boys would like to shed a few tears also if it weren't so unmanly. And it is such a toxic masculinity line that I have to think that Sue is probably saying it more like a barb. Like, the boys would like to cry too if it weren't so unmanly. How dare she be sexist about men? They're never sexist about her. Right? Maybe she and Reed had an argument earlier about his lack of emotionalism. She was just like driving it home. uh, Sadly, I think she just meant that genuinely because that is what everybody thinks back in this time. But you could. I want to make her a better person. Yeah, you want to make her a better person. That's fine with me. You just read it with a different tone. It works, I guess. Right, right. Do you think landlord. Oh, go ahead. She can't help that she's being scripted so badly. So we've got to like put Mm -hmm. other thoughts into the script. You think landlord guy ever shows up again? Because I kind of like this little setup they got going on and I hope they don't just drop it. I think we've seen landlord guy before. I think they've been yelled at by their landlord before. Yeah. But he's like, do you think you should move? And they're like, we should think about it. And I'm like, I want to see this story where they think about moving. I don't, I know they don't obviously. Right. But where their lawyers discuss moving to a lonelier part of the city. (laughs) Yeah. Why would they keep living in the city? You know, it is kind of dangerous to do that. Remember that cabin we stayed at back in issue two. Yeah. A frightful four were there. Pretty recently. Oh, yeah, they were. Um, okay. They're talking to Pete. All right, Pete. He's all yours. You know what to do. He's like, I told you to forget that name. I'm not Pace Pop Pete anymore. I'm Trapster. Mm-hmm. The guy's going to be like, yeah, but your name is Pete. Like, that's your name. <laughs> and by the way, use your paste. Can I call you Peter Parker? I do like the Trapster a lot better, though. But Yeah, yeah, it's a better name. A way better name. And he's got a gun now. He doesn't have a bucket of pace. So he's come a long way. He is already the doofus of the team, though. Mm-hmm. 
Like, oh, yeah. there, there's no, there's no doubt that he is the doofus of the team. Sandman is the thug of the team. Um, the wizard is the leader who probably shouldn't be leader, but he's probably also the best one who could at being the leader. Uh-huh. And Medusa is just sitting there being awesome and letting all the boys play. She's like the hella of the team kind of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, page seven. Okay. Reed is not a nice man. <laughs> yeah, I know. As leader of the FF, I'm responsible for everything, but I'm sure he'll return. After all, Benjamin's the best man at our wedding. Wedding? How can you think of a wedding at the time like this, Sue? Let go of my arm. This is no time to go feminism or go feminine and romantic on me. Got things to do. Right. I actually read that as uh, he's like, you can't blame yourself, darling. Of course I can. As the leader of the FF, I'm responsible for everything. Plus, you always are responsible for everything. Like, not just because you're the leader, you actually are the fault. Most oh, of the time. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're the your worst. Fault. You're, you're the, the worst. One who shot Ben and turned him into the uh, monster again. <laughs> right? right? Had earlier Ben's like, I had to let Reed turn me into the. No, you didn't. Mm-mm. And that's not how that played anyway. You just no, were there no, he, and he shot you. Yeah. You actually were saying don't. And he did it anyway because he just shot you for the second time now. He's, He's got more you. brainwashed. He does. The He's abuser, a great leader. The abuser. And it's like, I had to let him hit me. Uh huh. <laughs> I really love this bit where like the Sandman and Medusa fight and she totally spanks him. And then later they're playing cards and he's like, she's really hot. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty <laughs> that, great. That made me laugh really bad. And, and she's Shaster like, comes in. Yeah. He gets unreasonably jealous. And I'm just like, dude, they're just playing cards. Do we need to have the fondue I, I, talk? I love that. She's all like who I choose to play with is my business. But that also is code to me. Like she kind of likes him too. Maybe. I don't know. I just thought it'd be funny if they ended up being some weird couple. Yeah. But that probably won't happen because there's some other guy at some point. But she really is just being a person on the team. Mm-hmm. She shows her strength in the first scene. She's hanging out with the other players in this in the second scene. And everyone else is calling it uppity. Mm-hmm. Like, thing is like, oh, she might make a move for the leadership. No, she's being a person. Yeah. And it just says a lot that her behaving like any other member is written by the writers to be an uppity female. Yeah. At no point has anybody said like, oh, Hawkeye's trying to take over leadership. I mean, he is. He is. But he's uppity all the time. Yeah. Way more uppity. Sam is not being uppity. Sam is just playing cards with another player. Mm-hmm. Anyways. Uh, I love that the thing just like takes them all out though because he's the thing and- very very powerful yeah and he grabs live wires and grabs medusa's hair and that's uh-huh. how medusa's hair was all burned off yeah it didn't get burned off i guess she has magic hair but it did knock her out because she also has like weird nerve endings in it or something that's how it moves yeah i, I think guess. she has like nerve endings and muscles in her hair she must that's why it moves right it kind of right. makes sense pop culture reference on page 12 okay where uh it kind of looks like the monsters would live in this place oh At not this wrong point, the Munsters have had one season of their show. Mm. Their original television series ran for two seasons, just like the Adams family. And they ran at the same time. So the 1964, uh, 65 season was their first one. I've always been more of an Adams family person myself. Nope. I'm a Munsters guy. And I'm shocked that both of them only lasted two seasons. I thought it was way more than that. Well, they both had a lot of revivals. I think the Munsters had more revivals than the Adams families had. Yeah, I never really knew who the Adams Family were until they did the movies. I love those movies, but... Oh, those 90s watched. movies are yeah. par excellence. Totally amazing. Did you see um, the new cartoon? Yes. Oh, I haven't it. seen it. Okay, good. It's a lot of fun. It really does feel like the Adams Family 
I mean, Good. in every way that's important. Yeah. Good. Um, and since it's animated, they can do more with it. That's kind of surreal. Yeah. It looks just like the original strips, which is kind of right, awesome. Right. Yeah. Okay. So they get inside mm-hmm. and they start fighting and Benjamin J. Grimm, the blue eyed thing beloved by his aunt Petunia throws a clod of sand at Johnny Storm's head so hard that it mm-hmm. knocks him unconscious. Yeah. And he also knocks out Reed and mm-hmm. sadly makes Invisible Girl faint, which is the dumbest thing in the world. I so much would have rather him hit that shield as hard as he could and it made her knock out. That would have been way better. That's what was drawn. That is totally what was drawn. But then they decided maybe in the captions like, oh, he better not hit a woman because he's a hero. So she'll just faint. Um, yeah, I don't know. I feel like with the force field there, him hitting the force field so hard that it knocks her out. Uh-huh. I feel like that takes the whole him hitting a woman like directly thing off the table. I agree. I think they should have just went with it. But the whole like she fainted, it just undermines her so bad. And yeah, it's just kind of lame. And plus, it's just more dramatic if he hits it so hard that she passes out. That's awesome. Right. Anyway. When they're gleading that the Frightful Four have beaten the Fantastic Four. Mm-hmm. Trapster's not in the picture. It's the thing. Yeah. It's Sandman, Wizard, Medusa, and Thing. And it's just like, oh, that's the new Frightful Four. You Trapster's know, just back there trying to figure out how to pick up a woman. Also, because he didn't do anything in that fight, if you look. So he really is kind of out. Oh, yeah, no. He, he, he threw an energy sphere. He tried, but she blocked with her um, force field. Yeah. Actually, Ben totally took everyone out. I mean, Sandman he helped with Johnny Storm, but Ben's the one who took the, who actually did it. I do like that panel, though, where he they suck. Richard's into the house and just knock him right into the Sandman. That was really cool. But yeah, Sandman is just a cool, like dang Ditko man for making one of the coolest visually interesting villains like ever Sandman. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. He's even just he's really doing, cool. Even when he's doing relatively dumb Sandman stuff, it still looks really cool. It really does. Although uh, I do wonder sometimes about the physicalness of it. Like on page 17, he's got his sandy fist in the air, but his sleeve is falling down. <laughs> Because the sleeve, you think, would be part of his body, right? Yeah. Right. It should be part of his body. Unless he's actually wearing a shirt today for no reason. But no, he's not because he's turned into sand like 17 times at this point. So I love that even unconscious, though, he like breaks his hand on the a sleeping thing. Like the thing is just awesome in this, even though he's evil, of course. But Yeah. And then Trapster's like, let's shoot him in the head. Yeah. Good job, Trapster. That's going to work. So Medusa does not want to kill Reed because he's almost too handsome to harm. Yeah, this is like the one big exception to her awesomeness in this issue is that she totally... Uh-huh. And the way that it scratches is like, no, I must not become weak and feminine at a time like this. That's the second time in this issue that romantic uh-huh. attraction is considered a negative feminine trait. Uh-huh. It is neither of those things. But it also trips me out anytime we read these early FF and the Mr. Fantastic is supposed to be a sex symbol. Like, because I just never think of him that way. Yeah, not to say that he's ugly but like when people when girls fawn over him it's just kind of weird he has like a lot of dad energy but not yeah. daddy not daddy energy right that's exactly what it is so when she's just attracted to him it's just like really okay yeah yeah although you know when i was in college there was this girl who was really attracted to one of our professors mm-hmm. and like it was weird and there's that one bit on dr horrible sing-along blog when they're saying that his dry cleaning bill has four sweater vests and there is <laughs> there is something about like older gentleman aura that is appealing to a lot of people but not to not to pigeonhole her because i don't really know her that well but she was living in a cage or a cave 
like she was they, living in a cave for who knows they, how long when they first found her. So you'd think her attraction would be more like the Conan type or something like that. But maybe that maybe she just likes to uh, to play opposites. I don't know. But ending with Benjamin J. Grimm about to kill his best friend. Mm-hmm. Pretty scary. Yeah, and that the art on his face in every single one of those panels is pretty intense. He looks he looks raged and evil and hypnotized. Yeah. Yep. Almost like Captain America did last month. Uh huh. So next issue, they're just gonna like he's gonna snap out of it, and then they're gonna go find a vanishing gun. Yeah, they're gonna move his fist. Mm-hmm. All right. Should we go on to something amazing? Amazing Spider-Man twenty-seven. Yeah, you, you know get you were that. right. Like yeah. whenever I said twenty-five was like the peak for a while, twenty-six mm-hmm. and twenty-seven really do maintain that level of height. Oh yeah. Um. So this is bring back my goblin to me, and on the cover it's the crime master and the green goblin and a whole bunch of thugs fighting a chained up Spider-Man and J. Jonah Jameson. Oh, one of those guys does look like Jameson. <laughs> He does, and he does later inside too. To where I was like, "Is that supposed to be Jay Jonah Jameson?" And the but guy on the far left is wearing the burglar's hat. That's the burglar yeah. who killed Uncle Ben. Oh wow! Yeah, Joe Chill's in here. Joe Chill. No, his I name cannot is, uh, believe they never gave him a name. I still don't believe that. That's impossible. His name is the B Burglar. Wow, that's right. crazy. Just as the mysterious crime master prepares to take command over the city's gangs, a startling interruption takes place as the gloating green goblin brings in an unconscious prisoner. How's that for a one-sentence resume of last month's 20-page thriller? Pretty Edited good. and written by Smile and Stan Lee, plotted and drawn by Scowlin' Steve Ditko, lettered and gift-wrapped by Swingin' Artie Simic. Um, gift-wrapped because Spider-Man is going to get chained up here pretty quick. Um, crime master literally had brought all the gangs together to have a, Hey, look, I'm your new boss meeting when green goblin showed up. was like, yeah, but I'm the one who knocked out Spider-Man. So I should be the boss. And now all the uh, gangsters are there. Like who's going to be our new boss. Hey, look, it's Spider-Man. Let's wrap chains around him. His mask wouldn't come off because his costume is webbed to him. Cause it's a store-bought costume and, um, they're fighting and they're arguing and Spider-Man wakes up. And starts fighting back, and he's wrapped up in chains. They try to take him down. Crime Master tries shooting at him. Green Goblin tries finger sparking him. None of it works. <laughs> that sounded nasty. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to sound nasty. Um, the cops even show up because, you know, why not? Um, Spider Man takes a second to inhale deeply, flex his muscles, and bust the chains off of his chest, Superman Bronze Age style. Actually, right. Superman all the ages style. Right. Um, so Spider-Man uh, leaps up into the rafters, sets his camera up on the rooftop, and starts going to town on the bad guys. Um, Green Goblin gets away. Crime Master gets away. The cops round up all the gangsters, and Spider-Man goes after the Crime Master until he loses him in the sewers because Crime Master throws a smoke bomb. So he leaves the sewers. He's like, you know... Frederick Foswell is wrapped up in all this somehow. I've got to figure out what's going on with him. He's got to be either the crime master or the green goblin. Cause that's what we've been hinting at for the last several issues. Um, so he goes to Frederick Foswell's hideout and finds the false back in his closet where he could hide some sort of disguise. Hmm. A goblin costume or a crime master's mask. So he decides that regardless of their antagonistic relationship, he really should go and warn Jonah Jameson that Frederick Foswell is crooked. So he does. And Jameson's like, nope, don't believe it. 
Foswell's been working undercover, getting a whole crime story from me on the Crime Master. You need to go out. Hey, Frederick Foswell's right here. Frederick Foswell, you're the Crime Master. He's like, nope, the Crime Master's getting arrested right now. And sure enough, on a nearby rooftop, the Crime Master's getting arrested right then. The police shoot him because he tries to get away. And um, Crime Master's like, okay, well, if I'm going to die, I have to tell you, the Green Goblin is... Uh, uh. And the police are like, I don't even know who... Uh, is uh-huh. uh, so crime master's dead and they take off his mask oh look it's that guy and spider-man's like okay so if frederick Foss was not the crime master he must be the green goblin mm-hmm. but the police show up and they're like hey thanks foswell for all your hips uh, your help and tips getting the uh crime master arrested and spider-man's like hey you know what this isn't working and i also left my camera back at the hideout so i gotta go get it he swings away while he is going to get his camera, his costume starts riding up because it's a cheap store-bought costume. His camera is not in the warehouse. He uh, goes looking for where it might have fallen to. They're on the dock, so he thinks maybe it's in the river. He um, falls into the river, and he sees the kids playing on the pier. They have his camera. They give it to him. He gets out of the water, and his costume is shrinking and shriveling so fast, he's barely able to get it off. He does manage to uh, develop his pictures. Not sure what to do with them. Jameson's not very happy with them, so he's not going to sell them to him. He decides to go to the Daily Globe and meets old Barney Bushkin, the uh, editor of the Daily Globe. And Bushkin definitely wants the pics, definitely wants to pay for them, and definitely wants to know how Peter Parker was able to get such great pictures and peter runs out before he is forced to tell anything um we see jameson gloating about all of his great success in his club um several people including a man with red curly hair talk to him about the pictures in his paper um peter parker tries to find his costume in his house he can't find us he's like well crap i guess i just got to start over from ground zero and sew me a new costume but a few minutes later, he hears Aunt May downstairs, so he goes down and see her. She's kind of in a mood because she was going to go out with her neighbor, Anna Watson. But Ms. Watson's out, so she went for a walk, but she's not feeling great. Peter's like, oh, my poor Aunt May is all lonely, and she does everything for me. What can I do for her? Hey, Aunt May, you know what? It's Friday. I have no school, no homework. Let's go see a movie. And she's like, oh, let's go see a movie then. You know, there's this there's this remake out on the, in the theaters right now, this old movie I used to like, and we should go see it. And so Aunt May likes the movie remakes that Hollywood's doing. And uh, so they go see a movie. Meanwhile, Frederick Foswell takes out his um, spare costume from underneath his desk. He unwraps it and pulls out Patch's mask. Frederick Foswell is Patch the Stool Pigeon, who is giving up information on the gangsters to the police. He is not the Green Goblin. Meanwhile, the Green Goblin has once again been foiled and thwarted by Spider-Man, and he's upset. He's going to go into hiding and come up with a new plot, a new plan. And whenever Spider-Man least expects it, he'll strike again. And uh, that's the end. I don't think they do this in any other superhero book we cover, but I love how sometimes Spider-Man stories don't end on an action beat. Like, there's four pages of no Spider-Man here at the end. Oh, like the action is not the uh, end-all and be-all of the story. It's not. Like, he gets he gets the job done, he fights the villain in the end, but then it keeps going and does all these cool subplots 
and then it's over. Like no, You're right. Thor, Thor doesn't do that or Hulk nope. doesn't do that. or You know what I mean? Like Spider-Man is the only one who does that and it does it often and I kind of like it. It feels like a movie or a TV show narrative or something. I think you hit on something really, really significant there. And I think when Spider-Man doesn't do that as much is when it feels less like Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's something really important to the superhero genre is you've got to have more to your characters than the action. And actually, it's why it always drives me crazy whenever Stan Lee uh, writes in the captions, sorry for taking so long to get to the action. Here uh, it is. And I'm like, no, you don't understand. That was all the good stuff. And actually, this story even doesn't really have a, an arc of defeating the villain either. Like he fights all those guys. and It all, opens and they, with a fight. And then that's it. And there's yeah, there's more Spider-Man like talking to J. Jonah Jameson and doing some investigating and you know finding his camera and having s- costume problems. But there's no point where he like defeats the Scorpion. The end. You know, he loses the Crime Master on page nine. Yeah, and, and after then it just keeps that, going. It's resolving action. It's just a bunch of like telling mm-hmm. the story. Mm-hmm. It's really yeah, awesome. You're right. Really cool. Um. Busting the chains was a very Superman moment. Oh, for sure. Like but, straight up swipe paneling almost, I bet. Yeah, it's cooler though because for Spider-Man it takes a lot of effort. And it's actually kind of an insane level of strength that he's showing there. Because if you think about busting chains and mm-hmm. what that really is, and he's doing it by inhaling and flexing his muscles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's insane. Yeah. For Superman, that's just paper. But mm-hmm. But Spider-Man, mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know how much it would take to bust sizable chains like that. But he is a very strong person, so he I guess is. it works. I can see him doing it with his arms where he has leverage, but just uh-huh. like popping his chest out. Ugh, that's that's pretty powerful. Yeah. We have, Mike, two black characters in this comic who speak. No way. We do. That might be a first. Who are they? One is a cop and one is one of the kids. <gasps> I didn't even notice one of the cops. Yeah. Boy, the coloring's still horrible, though, isn't it? Well, it is. I mean, and I was thinking about that while I was driving today. I can't fault the technical aspects of the medium. Right. They're trying, and I think I think it's honestly an attempt to increase, because this is 1965. Mm-hmm. You know, the Civil Rights Act is passed this year. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think they're making active efforts to increase their characters of color, even though they're just background characters. Mm-hmm. And I also, it's like, especially in Spider-Man, it seems like they always go out of their way to make sure the cops look very heroic. The cops are always on Spider-Man's side right now. I don't know when it starts to change. I know at some point cops aren't going to love Spidey, but right now it's always like, yeah, he's one of us because we're cops and you guys should respect, kids should respect cops. Right. Jonah tries to get the cops to arrest Spider-Man. They're like, um, no, we he's don't cool. have any orders for his arrest. There's not a warrant out for him. Yeah. We, he's pretty cool. We like Spider-Man. See ya. Yeah. Um, I think I, I bet did. Frank Miller just wrecked the whole cop thing. That's probably what it is. It's Frank Miller. <laughs> I'm just gonna. I think it's also Ditko. Um, I think Ditko. We're not going to get a lot of anti-cop sentiment from Spider-Man until after Ditko leaves. Mm. For whatever that means. That's actually kind of surprising because you think a guy like Ditko would mistrust cops for some reason. I don't know. He's not anti-authoritarian. No. Yeah, he was not counterculture. Okay. Um, it seems like he was counter everything, but. I guess I don't know he him that actually, well. In one of his last issues, he mocks protests and protesters. Oh, wow. That's really counter-counter. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they set up Foswell in earlier issues, and I didn't 
I don't think that I'd ever really realized how much that was going on in previous read throughs of this, uh, you mm-hmm. know, this portion of the series, mm-hmm. but in issue 26 and issue 23, the last time we had goblin, they, they teased Foswell might be the goblin. And then last issue with goblin and crime master, they teased Foswell might be either or both. Um, so it, you know, I didn't realize how much that was done. Yeah. Last issue in particular, it was really well done. I, and I don't think I realized it as I was reading it until we covered it later and you were summarizing it and pointing things out. It's like, yeah, if I didn't know what I know, this is far more interesting. Mm-hmm. Like you have to, when you read these, you have to just forget that you know things. Right. And it's really cool how they set it up to make it so it could be anybody. Um, Spider-Man's like, oh, that reminds me. I haven't had time to call Betty Brant for a day. So I wonder if she's angry. Um, yeah, she's always angry right now. She, so. She's probably angry. Yes. Well, uh, yeah. Well, the last time we saw her was issue 25 when she found out about Mary Jane. So she was angry. Yeah. They've, they've never resolved that, I guess. I guess not. That's interesting. So, like, you had a girlfriend that may or may not be your girlfriend all the time, and you got in a big fight, and then you didn't speak for days. Would you maybe assume it's done? I don't know. But he doesn't. Yeah. That is an interesting take. Maybe he's wondering if she's still angry. Yeah. Maybe he gave her some space to cool down. This is before ghosting. Yeah. (laughs) Well, also, they work together, so he is going to run to her again. That's true. Okay, so I want to put in something out here with the whole Crime Master reveal. Uh-huh. Crime Master is revealed to be a, a nobody character named Lucky Lewis. Mm-hmm. Having a mystery bad guy with a complete non-entity revealed to be his identity mm-hmm. is a story move that Ditko is pulling here. It's mm-hmm. kind of like whenever Electro unmasked, except we as the reader knew at least a little bit about Max Dillon at that point. Mm-hmm. But here, we know nothing about the crime master. When he's unmasked, his identity has no importance. Mm-hmm. So he's already done. The mystery bad guy turns out to be nobody. Yeah. Whenever has he that ever been great- done before? Well, I'm just saying, that, like, when he leaves the comic right before Green Goblin mm-hmm. gets revealed, there's uh-huh. this fan myth out there. That he wanted Green Goblin to be a nobody and Stan wanted him to be a somebody. Mm. But A, the storytelling is definitely not that direction. And B, Ditko has actually come out and said in recent years before he died, um, about 10 years ago, that you know his and Lee's difficulties had nothing to do with Green Goblin's identity. And that Green Goblin's identity was you know planned from way back. So... Ditko is definitely setting up that reveal. He he's already he's already done the move that fans were saying he was going to do with Green Goblin. Why do it twice? Why do times? it twice? And it's certainly better. I mean, this was in a way I don't want to say disappointing because I still like the story a lot. But it and it is actually kind of funny. Spider Man's thought bubbles of like, yeah, I guess in real life it's not always the butler, you know, like mm-hmm. you don't just know who it is. But in hindsight, if they had done that with Green Goblin, that would have been really disappointing because we know what they do with green goblin and it's way more interesting but it is it is um this also reminds me of have you ever read the scourge saga or whatever where that guy I was know going around of it but i have not read it so he was going around killing a bunch of villains and then at some point it finally boils down to cap taking him out in a captain america comic and he pulls the mask off and he's like i don't know who you are <laughs> And the guy's right. like, well, what would you think? I'd be your uncle? So it kind of reminded me of the same thing. Like, we just don't know who he is. He's well, just like a guy. Lex Luthor ends up in Flash's body. 
mm-hmm. and pulls off his mask in a bathroom right. mirror and yes. looks at his face. Is like, I don't know who this person is. <laughs> right. That's kind of Because there's no reason that Lex Luthor would know a random <laughs> crime lab cop. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um. So page 16 uh-huh. has a particular pose for Peter, the last, the last panel there, mm-hmm. that is... It's a bit different than the kind of faces he normally draws, mm-hmm. but he's going to do this more as his last year on this book goes by. And it's a kind of technique that Gil Kane also uses on Spider-Man later. And Gil Kane has been around in comics just as long as Ditko has. So I don't know if one was influencing the other or if they both just chose similar directions because they did. Mm-hmm. But like the whole like looking up the nose and the overpronounced mouth and the, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just... Ditko yeah. is playing with his style in ways that Gil Kane is also going to use later. It's a little more detailed and mm-hmm. hairy. Hairy and bone protrudy and yeah. So I love this idea of like in an alternate universe, there's this other J. Jonah Jameson who runs a magazine. <laughs> that's like he's overweight and jovial and excited and wants to know everything hair. and wants to know everything about Peter. Yeah, he doesn't trust his barber because he doesn't have one. Um, I don't know. It was just kind of cool. I assume we see this guy again, maybe. Way down the road, he comes back and becomes actually a person for a while. Yeah. Because Peter, I've actually, he's going to go work for the Globe later. The Daily Globe. See, I've heard the Daily Globe before, so I knew that this wasn't a one-time thing, probably. And the Daily Globe runs articles on the MMMS. Oh, I know. That was cool. Yeah. That was fun. Yeah. Giving away that Nick Fury badge. And it's interesting that we have another Green Goblin issue and another visit to J. Jonah Jameson's club. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. What did Aunt May do with that costume? I think she just threw it away, right? I think she secretly wears it at night. Oh, well. But he couldn't find it. Maybe she's wearing it right now. <laughs> yeah, she wears it under her outfit. Yeah. I don't know what that would mean. Mm-hmm. And that's why she's in such a bad mood. It doesn't fit well. It's writing up. But I like their date. That made me happy. That made me heart happy, you know, to see yeah, them, like, they're super cute cheer her up. Yeah. They're totally cute together. And I guess Fosworth ended up being like a good guy. Maybe he's trying to make up for what he used to be or something. Or Exactly. He actually is a pretty decent guy at this point. Because he's not like getting anything for doing this, as far as I could tell. Nope. Other, other than risking his life. So, yeah. Cool issue. It would have been an interesting touch in that last scene of the Green Goblin uh-huh. if they had changed his suit colors to match the earlier scene. Oh, that would have been like really cool. Like his jacket and tie and shirt and everything. Yeah, just to give somebody a chance. Yeah, yeah, just, just to throw the hint out there. Yeah, And maybe since he is wearing a suit and tie just like he was earlier, maybe that's what Ditko thought would be done, but it wasn't because... No. Boy, this Green Goblin business just reminds me of the Hobgoblin because, you know, that's that's what I read. But all the same idea, this mystery. Who is the Hobgoblin? Who is the Green Goblin? It's really fun. Well, what's fun here is that you don't have the whole, like, changing of writers partway through and so the Hobgoblin becomes somebody else. <laughs> that was a little inconvenient, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. And, then, and it is the wrong person for 20 years. And then the original writer comes back and gets butt hurt and decides to fix it. Yeah, that's kind of weird. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if I like that idea. Like, just let it be because you left, but whatever. All right. On to the Avengers. Um, yeah. With this like 1963 story idea. <laughs> Lo, a nation trembles when the commissar commands. 
Um, Let's go fight some commie bastards in North Vietnam. His mission, prove that the Reds are superior freedoms champions. His method, defeat an American fighting team by any and all means. His madness, when selecting his foes, he dared to choose the Avengers. Slightly written by Stan Lee, smoothly drawn by Don Heck, suavely inked by Dick Ayers, superbly lettered by Artie Simek, stoically read by you, if you'll ever turn the page. Oh, ho, that was a good one. Okay. So we start off with a cap sad because Cap's life right now is basically him twiddling his thumbs in a lonely Avengers mansion, living there by himself, or except for Jarvis. And waiting for Avengers to do things. And when they're not doing things, he has nothing to do. Because now even Rick is gone. So he can't even like do the whole, let me show you guys my acrobatic moves thing anymore. Uh, he is wondering if that letter he sent to Nick Fury will ever get answered. Because he's kind of trying to get a position. Not in S.H.I.E.L.D. I think just working with Nick. I don't think he ever says S.H.I.E.L.D. at this point. But nope. anyway, we cut to... I think Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch not in costume for the first time ever for us. Um, and they're going their separate ways. One went to a ballet or something, and Quicksilver went to the circus because he apparently really loves the circus. Like, he's obsessed with the circus. Who knew? And he's watching a trapeze act, and it doesn't go well. So he uses his super speed to pull up a net real fast while no one's looking, and they're all like, wow, that was really great. Uh, meanwhile, Hawkeye is working on trick arrows, one which involves... I can't figure out exactly what happens, but he hits a safe and the safe goes flying out a window or flies up. I'm not really sure. The artist kind of weird. It's an anti gravity arrow. Okay, so it crashes out the window and flies into the sky, and then the wizard gets it. I guess. Um, Maybe. Meanwhile, we cut to Sing Kong, which is a communist ruled uh, place halfway around the world, and there's this guy. I don't remember his name, but he's like a little guy, a little stereotype Asian guy. But then there's a big one named Commissar, and they're talking to the peasants that they rule like, you know, capitalism's bad because I can pick up this really big rock and throw it really far and punch things. And the and the villagers are like, but I think capitalism's okay. Aren't they our friends? I mean, don't capitalists write this comic book? And they're like, no, we'll show you that they're not cool because we'll beat them up. So... Cuts to Cap getting a message from what they think is an underground revolutionary force from Sing Kong. And he's like, boy, I'm so bored. I think we should do this. Because if it's a revolution, then it's legal for us to be involved, I think. Also, this might really look good on my resume if Nick Fury ever answers my letter. Um, So he does Avengers Assemble. And by the way, they all have like, I think one of them has, Quicksilver has a watch. Hawkeye has a ring and... Scarlet Witch has a brooch that all shout Avengers Assemble when he presses the button. So that's neat. They all hook up. Um, Not like that, though. Yeah. Quicksilver is kind of like, are you sure we should get involved in this? This seems kind of like political. And I thought we just fought crime here in like New York City. And Hawkeye's like, hey, if you don't want to be an Avenger, you could leave. And it's like, well, I want to be an Avenger. So I guess we'll go. Um, They get there and they're greeted by the people who rule Sing Kong. And Cap's like, okay, well, let's just go along with this for now until we find the main bad guy. Um, They lead him into a room and immediately the vault shuts down on him and they can't get out. But Hawkeye has an explosive arrow, so that shoots a hole in the thing. Cap jumps out first and says, you guys stay in there. I'll take care of this. And he splang, clang, clang, wonks everybody with his shield. Uh, He's about to get shot, but... Scarlet Witch is like, no, because I can just hex your guns and they can't shoot anymore. Ha ha. Um, Quicksilver takes out the rest. 
Um, as they're standing there thinking what they should do next, a trap door opens and the Scarlet Witch falls in and it closes. And they're like, no, what can we do? We can't get her. And then they hear a scream. So they go around the corner and they find her in a cell and she's been blindfolded and bondaged. Um, and as they're going to try and free her uh, in that room, like this clear odorless gas is pumped and they get knocked out. When they wake up, they're in front of the commissar and he's like, look. I have your Scarlet Witch behind this glass case. If you don't do what I say, I will kill her. So they're like, okay, we'll do what you say. What do you want us to do? It's like, I want you to fight me one at a time while my population watches so that they understand that, you know, capitalism sucks and communism's better. So Cap's like, okay, let's do that. So he fights first. It's like punching a mountain. The dude like totally tramps, tramples Captain America, takes his shield, steps on it, throws him down. Hawkeye's turn next. He shoots arrows. The uh, robot – I'm sorry. Whoops. I just revealed it. The commissar knocks him away with a sword. They're kind of – Cap's watching going like, this seems really weird that he can do this because those those missiles – those arrows should be going like faster than bullets at that range or whatever. So this is kind of crazy. And Hawkeye thinks the same thing. But then the guy knocks Hawkeye out. Then Quicksilver runs at a super speed and gets like a curtain and tries to wrap it around him. But – the commissar grabs the other end of the curtain, pulls him in, and smacks him. It says, he didn't even touch me, and yet I'm hurled to the ground. What's going on? Cap's finally like, I think I know what's going on. Hey, you haven't won yet, as the guy tries to boast. He's like, you said you wanted to fight all the Avengers, and there's still one more. There's that one in the glass case over there. And he's like, oh, you want me to also fight this woman? Okay, no problem. Let her free. And he, you know... Let's him out and Cap goes over to Scarlet Witch and says – and she gets a big, you know, grin on her face and walks over and then points to the left and uses her hex power to like burn a curtain down. And behind the curtain is the skinny stereotype communist guy. And it turns out he's the Wizard of Oz of this whole story because the commissar is really a robot. So she does her hex again on the controls and the robot kind of sproings and like all his chest and stuff pops out and he falls over and all the villagers are like, yay, we knew capitalism was better. And then Cap makes a speech about why capitalism is better and then it's over. Yeah. The end. So far, the crazy thing is, is that as weirdly backward as a story concept, this was, uh, huh. It was actually still kind of fun to go through it. Mm-hmm. Well, Scarlet Witch this, sure looked good. Yeah. And it, I actually have a note. Oh, no. She got captured. Now we're damsel in distressing Wanda, just like we did Jan. Let's try to keep a count now. Right. Um, and then she saves the day at the end. Yeah. So that was pretty cool. Um, but yeah, communists, uh, robot leader who's you know secretly a robot. We've done all of this before. Mm-hmm. Seen Kong. Seen is a China prefix, and Kong is like the Viet Cong, which was a North Vietnamese militia working in South Vietnam. So this is basically North Vietnam. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Avengers basically are like, let's go win the Vietnam War. Yeah, and they do it with the Wizard of Oz. Yeah. <laughs> so I like, mean. If this was just a one-off story, fine, but it's like this is the beginning of this new roster and I was excited about the new roster and last issue was kind of ho-hum with fighting the Mole Man or was it Mole Man? Yeah. Uh, Because fighting the Mole Man always is horrible. And then this issue is communism. It's like let's do something cool with these guys and they just – 
aren't yet, and I'm impatient. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There were some but cool moments, were, though. There were there were definitely fun moments. Let's talk about the Captain America stuff at the beginning. What's your thoughts yeah. on those opening scene? I love all that because it's neat to see like what he does when he's not being Captain America. We don't get that much yet, right? So, I mean, I always knew that at some point in his career, he's bored by himself at the Avengers Mansion, and these these are these moments. So. That was neat. Um, he's really obsessed about working with Nick Fury, which is kind of maybe because like Nick Fury is a guy he knows, so he just wants he, to send Pat to notice him. Yeah, he just wants to have a friend. Maybe I don't know. Yeah, something to do. Yeah, I, I do like the um, the Nick Fury connection. He wants to do do that because he feels mm-hmm. like he can. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like you know, doing all of this to get a feather in his cap so that Nick Fury will, you know, like him. Mm-hmm. All of that is just kind of cute and charming. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Bad decision, I find though. It, go ahead. Bad decision is all I was saying. I don't think they should have gotten involved in this, but. Yeah. Oh, with the uh, Vietnamese thing? Yeah. Yeah. Knowing what we know later about their backstories. Mm-hmm. When I go into this story, I feel like Hawkeye is the one who should be going to the circus. Good point. Yeah. And the fact that Quicksilver loves the circus and Wanda really wants to be an actor, I don't think either one of those ever comes up again. I was wondering if they wanted, were doing the circus thing because these two are from a third world country where probably circuses are more popular than they are here. Maybe. It's like a stereotype or something. But it mm-hmm. was kind of weird. Like this scene, like it's, I liked that we got to see them doing something besides being morose X-Men villains. Right. Like they're in, although he still wears green and she still wears, you know, pink. But like, oh, by the way, this is um, this is not the first time we've seen them in clothes. Oh no! Okay, yeah, it just um, seemed it seemed shocking to me to not see them in their outfits. What was the first time? For a second, there, you still there? Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah. Okay, so we're gonna keep on going. Um, the time whenever they were at the whenever they got the news, the Avengers were looking for more people. Um, they were like standing out on their balcony wearing civilian <sighs> That's clothes. That's right. That's right. And there was the weird moment where they like silently go in and change and come back out and talk. And it's just like, why are oh, you yeah. doing that? Yeah. We can't talk. We can't talk superhero business unless we dress like superheroes. Right, 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 right. Um, so these so these scenes were a little fillery. Like, like the cap scene is at least character building. This is mm-hmm. more like the whole like I'm saving someone from the circus didn't go anywhere. But I also still enjoyed it. I liked seeing that they had hobbies and did things, I guess. And it may be an attempt at character building that just never mm-hmm. gets picked up on. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, establishing connections with the circus and, and acting might be an attempt to say things about the characters. They're just things that aren't really that important and never get used again. Like even Hawkeye's development of this anti-grav arrow, you would think that'd pay off later and it doesn't. Yeah. Like, like a Q James Bond thing. Like he set up the yeah. device that he's going to use later, yeah, but you're right, right. He doesn't use it. But it is cool that he's in a lab making arrows, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. And uh, actually, it comes yeah. up later because he like he uses the um, the matchstick arrow, and mm-hmm. then at one point he's like, you know, I know the heft of my arrows; they must have been messed with because they don't feel right in my hand. Mm-hmm. So all of that I think is is you know thematically set up with him working on his arrows at the beginning. Yeah, um, I love the Avengers Assemble panels. That was pretty cool. Did you watch the Earth's Mightiest Heroes cartoon from like eight years uh-huh. ago? Yeah. So I read that top panel and immediately mm-hmm. the theme song started playing in my head. Always we will fight as one <laughs> until the battle's done. Yeah. Avengers, assemble. Yeah. So now, just to see if 
they're ripping anything off. Do the JLA have like JLA assemble rings that you know about at this time period or anything like that? I don't think so. Try to figure out how they get their um their, their signals from the JLA. I think it's like maybe it is. Maybe it's like belt buckles and earrings and stuff. I think it's cool that it's all different things. Like they're not all wearing the same pin. One of them has a watch. One has a ring. Yeah, and one it's has not a brooch. They're they're like you know computer card lighting up in their wallet or whatever. Uh huh. I don't think this happened. I don't think this is like an Avengers thing so much though either. Like it's just kind of a cool thing they're doing right here. But I don't. I don't know. I don't think of it as like a traditional thing per se. Right. Anyway, Hawkeye's a Did jerk. Did you, um, Hawkeye's a jerk? Yeah, in this scene. He hates Captain America for leading, and he hates Quicksilver for not wanting to do what the Avengers are supposed to do, which is fight whoever. And then Cap's Although like... Quicksilver does... Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch raise a very important point. Should they uh-huh. really be getting involved in international affairs? Yeah, they're the only smart ones their in job? this room. Right, exactly. And then they get convinced to get involved because basically Hawkeye kind of bullies them into it. Exactly. And then Cap says, thanks for helping me bully them into it. And he's like, oh, I just wanted to see if I could be lame like you. So Hawkeye is like really fun to be around right now. Yeah. 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 And they get to Sin Kong and all of the soldiers are out there. And they're the two guys kind of mocking their appearance. Mm -hmm. And it's an inconvenient truth. But people in costumes would look kind of silly. Yeah. For sure. I mean, even as awesome as the people look in like the MCU and stuff, mm-hmm. if somebody walked into your house wearing that, Seven <laughs> Eleven, yeah, it'd yeah, be weird. it would it would be a little bit weird. It would be. Or uh, I like that she could just hex guns to stop working. That's pretty handy, Miss Scarlet Witch. Yeah, so she doesn't get to do a whole lot. Like Quicksilver is always running around. Captain America throws his shield a lot. Aka is always shooting arrows, but she gets like one or two moments each issue where she gets to hex something. Mm-hmm. And I recently started reading Karate Kid, the, um, the Ralph Macchio comic book from the seventies. Oh, wow. No, the, uh, the, the, no, I'm just kidding. The, uh, the Legion of superheroes spinoff. Oh, uh, Karate Kid is a, a, a legionnaire mm-hmm. that Jim Shooter created. And he was talking in the first issue about how when he created the character, he did it because so many of the Legionnaires like point their fingers and magic happens, like the magnetic powers or mm-hmm. the thought powers or the lightning powers. Mm-hmm. So he wanted to make a character who like had a lot of physical action to them. So I kind of feel like that's what's going on here. All three of the other Avengers have physical action that looks really exciting. Mm-hmm. And Scarlet Witch points her hex. And so she doesn't get to do it very often. Yeah, but when she does it, it's pretty effective, which is, is neat. Which is neat. And knocking those guns out was very cool. Yeah. Um, and then you're right. She gets captured, and I, too, was kind of like, oh, God, really? But, you know, luckily that doesn't last. Did you guess that he was a robot? I did not, but you know what I want to know? How did Captain America guess that he was a robot? I don't understand what the hints mean as far as him being a robot. Just because he was so tough, maybe? Like, he's unreasonably strong and resilient. But so is the Hulk. The only Why can't this guy of? be, you know, there's tons of tough, resilient people in this universe. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's just, it's just the, that was the best I had. It's like Cap punches the guy and he doesn't get hurt, so he must be a robot. It's like, that's not arrogance or anything. <laughs> anyway, but it was cool. I love her face on page 19 after he whispers in her ear. Mm-hmm. God, such a great face. Like, you guys are toast. Yeah, she is ready, she is ready to, to do the reveal. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it was cool. I like to see that she just got to gut everything open and destroy him. And it's over and... And there's kind of a speechy speech, and let's do a supervillain next issue. That's not the Mole Man. Right. Uh, I think I know who shows up next issue, and I think it's exciting. All right. Um, 
I don't. It might be a two-parter, but is, is it Loki? I know what. No, <laughs> I know what twenty is, and I don't remember if the two-parter is nineteen and twenty or twenty and twenty-one. Okay, but um, it's something like that. So yeah, all right. Um, so Scarlet Witch saves the day with the Wizard of Oz. Vietnam War has been resolved, and <laughs> I guess we're done with the Avengers. That's it. Yeah. If not Vietnam War, yeah. maybe that would be the last one they ever do. Maybe. Mm-hmm. You know, there was a thing in the 40s about not sending your superheroes into the active battle scene because it might cheapen the whole like actual war that's going on. Mm-hmm. I thought and that was yet, something they did in the 60s. And yet our heroes keep going over and like fighting. Ugh. Anyways. Yeah. Okay. So is that it? That is it of the month. Are we done? Well, not of every Marvel issue, but definitely this month. All right. Well, I'm going to go get my spreadsheet open so we can talk about what our favorite and least favorite issues of the month were. Okay. That sounds like a good idea. I don't know what my answer All right. is. You're supposed to have an answer. Always. Oh, man. Yeah. You know, there's not a lot of bad, bad right now. Hmm. No. No, there's really not. So going down the list real quick. We have Strange Tales 135, which had two things. The debut of Nick Fury, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., mm-hmm. and Doctor Strange goes up against Baron Mordo, and I think, like, temporarily wins. Then we had the X-Men, number mm-hmm. 12, with juggernaut. the Juggernaut. That was pretty horrible, kind of. Yeah, that might win my lowest. <laughs> We had Journey into Mystery, 118, The Indestructible Destroyer. Uh-huh. And also the, um, what was the backup? Just more sword. Oh, that Crimson Hand story. Yeah, yeah Crimson that's where they Hand. Start, where they're getting to that quest with um, mm-hmm. the God Sword. Okay, Tales to Astonish, 70 from last episode, with Namor the Submariner starting his quest for the uh, uh, Neptune Trident, and the Hulk fighting the giant... Humanoid. Mm-hmm. Sergeant Fury 20, the return of the Blitzkrieg squad ish. Tales of Suspense 68, which was uh, the, 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 that was last episode still. We have Captain America with the Sentinel and the Spy, where they have to go against the invisibility gun. And then Iron Man, if a man be mad, where Nefaria and his cousin were trying to convince him he was insane. Mm-hmm. And then we get to this episode, the Fantastic 441, the betrayal of Ben Grimm. Amazing Spider-Man 27, Bring Back My Goblin to Me, and The Avengers 18 with The Commissar. I'm so good. Are you good? Comics. Yeah. Yeah? Okay. I know what I'm picking. My least, and it's maybe a cheap shot, I'm going to go with Sergeant Fury 20. Okay. Because as even as I was summarizing it, I'm like, nothing happens in this. And the mm-hmm. parts that did mm-hmm. happen, the parts that did happen that I had to talk about were like these weird page fillers that meant nothing and then the rest of it was fight 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 more fight all little guys are blue and i don't know who they are fight the end so yeah at least with juggernaut like we have things to say about x-men or you know professor x backstory and stuff even though it was weirdly told but yeah i was torn between sergeant fury and the x-men mm-hmm. i am going to go with the x-men because the structure of that story oh yeah makes no sense Oh, it's horrible. Like they haven't they have an imminent threat on their doorstep. 
And we're going to take all that suspense and channel it into lots of flashbacks. Right. Yeah, that, that was horrible. Is for the debut of such a really cool character, it's a pretty crap debut. Happily, he actually doesn't even show up until the next issue. So we still have the juggernaut ahead of us. Mm-hmm. Um, but for now, yeah, X Men Twelve, not my pre- not not my favorite. Okay, what's your, and your favorite? Well, I am really torn because I do really like Spider Man. I like the mystery of it, and I like the heart on the last four pages or so. But I also had a lot of fun with Nick Fury's debut. Um, oh, I don't know if you know it was all set up, but it was really fun set up. It was just neat to get to Shield. And like mm-hmm. the helicarrier, the reveal that they're on a helicarrier and Tony Stark being in charge and, you know, getting Nick back into where he should be in the eye patch and all. I don't know. I really enjoyed pretty much every page of that too. So mm, it's almost too easy to pick Spider Man sometimes. Like, I think I'm going to go Nick Fury just because he got to debut. And so I'm going to give him a win out of the gate. Good. I like that. I'm yeah. also not going to pick Spider Man. Okay. Um, Fantastic Four? I'm going to pick the Fantastic Four. Nice. Yep. Yeah, also good. Yeah, that, that was, was also pretty good. solid, solid issue with really cool character stuff. I mean, mm-hmm. Reed is not a nice person, and that's part <laughs> of his character. It makes the story interesting. The uh, villains in that, the villains carry the story in great ways. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, I can't think of villains we've had that are more like character-driven than these Frightful Four guys, kind of. I, can't I don't know. Think of, I mean, the, the the Brotherhood maybe, but they're gone now. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I like the Frightful Four better. They're probably my favorite team, you know, villain team that we've read so far. Okay, so that's the May. Na- the Nameless Hordes of Hydra don't have a good dynamic for you? You know, the the Brit, the Blit, Blitz squad is actually pretty cool, of course, but yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, huh. Okay. No Spider-Man that time around. Yeah. It was a really, really good issue, but... It was. It was, but I just I think I was more excited about the setting up of Shield. I don't I don't know if that's going to mm-hmm. continue, but it was fun. All right, okay. Well, that on wraps to up our month. What are we going to do uh, next week? So actually, you guys only have two issues to read next week. I think <gasps> is that true, or am I jumping the gun? It is true. It's true. Okay, but they're probably bigger issues, but maybe not because I'm not sure how much of it is reprint. But we have Journey into Mystery Annual Number One with the debut of some Greek god. That likes to fight the Norse what? god Thor, right? How can there be Greek gods? That makes no sense. And then we have Amazing Spider-Man Annual number two, where he teams up with Doctor Strange to do something that involves him standing on a yellow cover. That's all I know. <laughs> so those are the two. If you like yellow covers, the Amazing Spider-Man Doctor Strange. <laughs> annual number two is for you. That's it. So two annuals. We're going to cover those next week. That's right. To kick so off our June 1965. Will, um, kicking off June, and there will also be two more annuals later. So there were four annuals this year. Oh, but boy. But we're starting with these two. Yeah. Millie, Mo- Millie the Model annual? <laughs> Not Millie the Model. But Creek Squad. No, just kidding. Um, <laughs> they get their own annual. <laughs> Wait. All right. I'm looking, so, at, I'm, looking at, I'm looking at June, and there is Millie the Model Comics number 130. And modeling with Millie, number 40. Is she that popular? I guess. She gets two titles. We should be covering this. Anyway, too late. Really? You think we should? No, I don't. No, thank you. <laughs> All right. Um, I forget what I'm supposed to do now. Um, You're supposed to tell new 
likes and stuff on Twitter, oh. if that's a thing. We have not had any new Twitter likes in the or follows in the last hour and a half. <laughs> Darn it. Since we recorded last week's episode. <laughs> we need to spread this out a little better. <laughs> we all definitely should go follow us on Twitter at Make Ours Marvel. So yeah. where else can they find our other stuff? If you go to MakeOursMarvel.com, you can find our Twitter at MakeOursMarvel or our Facebook at MakeOursMarvel. Um, and you can like us there. And then we'll say, hey, thanks for liking us and put your name on the uh, you know podcast. Um, but also you'll find all our episodes there. You'll find links to all of our uh, feeds so you can play on our favorite app. And there's a contact form or you can email us directly, podcast at MakeOursMarvel.com. I am on Twitter at John Reads Comics. I have a Transformers show at tfuk podcast i have an image comics show at all the pouches i tweet about wanda maximoff the scarlet witch at let's talk wanda and no that's it um so go follow me there uh and i think that is our episode that is okay so be here next week for annual goodness we're going to kick off june with two big stories from thor and spider-man so until then or until Spider-Man teams up with J. Jonah Jameson to take down the big man together, make ours marvel. marvel.